Welcome to Living the Dream Outdoors, the official podcast of Living the Dream Outdoor Properties. We live by the motto, it's not just land, it's a lifestyle. And we live the outdoor lifestyle every day. Whether you're a landowner or dreaming of joining the ranks of those closest to the earth, we're your brothers and sisters of the outdoors. We hunt, we fish, we're stewards of the land, and our Living the Dream team will show you the way to enjoying the land and all the outdoor pursuits it has to offer. Here's your host, Bill Cooper. Welcome to Living the Dream Outdoor Podcast. I'm your host, Bill Cooper. My co-host, Hunter Hyman, is off antelope hunting, I think. Uh, didn't even invite me to go, but I guess somebody has to stay home and work. But I'm delighted to have on a program today uh, an old friend of mine. He's not old. He's just an old friend. Ryan Miloszewski from over in the Kansas City area. And Ryan's quite a duck hunter. And Ryan, man, it's good to have you on the show again. I haven't talked to you in a while. Yeah, always good to talk to you, Bill. And, uh let you know that i'm not old but uh <laughs> i feel like it sometimes you know once you hit 30 it just uh goes downhill right <laughs> well i always said 45 but maybe maybe that's the new 45 i don't know <laughs> <laughs> but man i always follow you on on uh, social media it's just fascinating to keep up with you because uh you know you're in the outdoors all the time if something going on if you're not catching giant brown trout or killing ducks or teal or doves or something you know uh, did you yeah. ha- did you have a good dove season this year the dove season uh was good i only had them one day uh much like a lot of folks you know i went to uh, one of my buddies eddie mattingly he has a family farm uh down in uh, perryville missouri uh and went down with him, and uh, there was about, I don't know, 15 of us. And oh. we all, I, I don't know. I mean, I think I came home with, I don't know, 13 doves, you know. And, you know, we were all close to our limits, and it was just an old silage field. And, uh, yeah, we uh, we had a blast. We uh, shot good. And, uh, you know, I, I only shot about 30 shells to get those 13 doves, which, you well, know, I'll tell you what. Yeah, you did a, great then, man. I, Star shooter level there, you know. <laughs> well, I only went out one time. My luck wasn't near as good as yours, so I'm not even going to talk about it. But uh, <laughs> I, I know uh, it was a good, it was a good dove opener, and uh, you know, uh, definitely uh, did did a lot with uh, the doves I had. Was gifted some uh, from some of the folks over there, and uh, made quite a quite a few good meals, which I know we'll talk about later. But uh, yeah, it was uh, it was a good opener. Good deal, man. I always like to hear that. And I know the ammo companies love you guys, you know. <laughs> yeah, right. I, I, I guess doves are probably still the most popular game bird in the U.S., and millions of people go out and hunt for them. And years ago, the national average was about five shots per bird, you know. And I, th- yep. I think these days it might be a little more than that. I don't know if the gunners are as good now as they used to be in the old days, you know. <laughs> Uh, well, you know, with a uh, with steel shot, you know, it uh, uh, makes a difference. Yeah. We were shooting that good lead stuff. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, uh, all right. So dove season went well for you. That one, one day you went out. How about teal season? I know you've been out in the marsh. Yeah. Yeah. Teal season's been okay. I, I will classify it as okay. Um, went out opening weekend uh, in central Missouri and on public land and uh, I think between three of us, we shot seven. Um, so not great, uh, but you know, it not was bad. 
not bad. Yeah, absolutely. We saw a lot of birds and it was good. And then the following weekend, we went up to uh, Grand Pass Conservation Area, and uh, we had eight of us, and uh, we shot 43 teal. So uh, wow. we, uh, we, were, we were one short of an eight-man limit, and uh, I was the one short. I'll just uh, <laughs> I'd, I'd, to that. Now I would have never admitted that. <laughs> and I'll admit it. You know, I, uh, I, I was the whole calling, calling shots, you know, and uh, – you know how that goes, but uh, no, we had a we had a great great uh, time up there, at Grand Pass, and uh, I haven't been since, to be honest with you. Uh, I've uh, you know I I just uh, the water the water situation right now is really poor. Yeah, it um, is very low, very low, and lots lots of know, areas. Well, the Hyman Hyman guys, you know, the Bostonese son, they have a duck hunting club, I guess, over in St. Charles County, and opening day. Uh, there were five or six of them, I guess. They all limited out in like 20 minutes. Sure. Had a great hunt. Went back the next day. I think they killed two. <laughs> yeah, they get those teal out pretty quick. Yeah, they uh, they they get out of there. As soon as they, as soon as they uh, start feeling the pellets fly, they, they boogie. And uh, as you know, I mean, gosh, you know, we had a couple of those nights where it was, you know, 51, 50 here in Missouri. And, uh, you get teeter and turns that forty degree mark; those teal are gone. You know they uh, they yeah. like South America more than they like uh, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um, but no, it's been good. It, it's been good. You know, I I went one time in Kansas and uh, with a couple of buddies, Dave and Daniel, and we uh, we shot three. Uh, well, we shot four. Of a, a fourth one just kind of magically got up and left but uh yeah they do that you know, too <laughs> every bird we saw we shot you know and uh it was good but it just it's a bit it's been so so you know but you know hey teal numbers are down about 20 percent this year though so they are yeah and uh last year i mean i was shooting blue ring teal until i think i shot my last one on november 3rd wow which is crazy you know and uh yeah it's uh it's just the lack of water right now is so, so makes everything so tough. You know, you really have to do your scouting. Uh, you know, like the reason we had such, such success last weekend was my buddy walked six miles, you know? Wow. And, you know, that's, that's a lot of work to shoot some teal, but we were there and, uh, we got in there early and, you know, set up and had three different, different holes, you know, across a thousand yards and, uh-huh. uh, it paid off, you know, it, it really pays off, but, uh, well, you had to you work know, for them though. you got to everything, everything, especially publicly in duck hunting. Yeah. You just, you just in the work. If you don't, you're going to be unsuccessful. That's just the way it goes. Uh, yep. That, that's an absolute fact. You know, if you got private property and you're the only one in there, it's an entirely different story, but Hey, what about, uh, what about Hank? He's he been out this year. Oh yeah, he's been out. Yeah, he uh, he got his uh, feet wet with uh, the doves on opening day, you know. And uh, and uh, as soon as teal season started, uh, I mean, he just about as excited. I tell him, "You want to go hunting?" And uh, he's already in the truck. <laughs> well, I, I know he really got a workout last year. I guess last year really made a good retriever out of him, huh? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He's he's three years old now, so he's just coming into you know the uh, I guess the the peak of his uh, retrieving 
wife. And uh, last year he uh, last year was good for him. He did a lot of really long retrieves that you know it's it's really you know to me it's that's more fun than shooting the birds. You know. Oh, ab- Granted, you absolutely! Know, Watching that dog. Oh yeah, you, and it's not like you, you want to have them do this, but you know a couple of those hunts you know i've been on you know you just wing birds and they just sail and all right then you 500 yards out you know and uh you know oh. hank jumps up, grabs a grabs a mallard out of the air trying to fly away that you, shot, <laughs> you, know. Yeah. you know that's uh that's a, that's, a, that's a blast, you know. Oh, it really is. One of my fondest memories of teal hunting, I'd, oh, it's been several years ago, I had uh, two 14-year-old boys in a boat and a six-month-old yellow lab, and he was retrieving good. But we had a huge flock of teal go down the lake, a small lake, and they hit the west end, they come down the north side, and I told the boys to get ready. I just told them, I said, you boys just start shooting when they hit that right edge of the of the decoys. Those boys knock seven down, and oh man, that's yeah, crazy. That's, yeah, that's a great. Yeah, that's great. They they did great. I was very proud of them, but had lots of swimmers. And I sent that puppy out, and he grabbed his first ever teal. It wasn't ten yards out. It's flopping, you know, and he went to that one, and he got that one in his mouth, and about five yards away, there was another one flopping around. He tried to get it in yep. his mouth, too, but it wouldn't fit. Yeah. But that yep. that puppy retrieved all seven, those teal, and the last one he went after was a swimmer 150 yards out, and I gave him a hand signal, and away he went. And he got out there, and he got about 15 degrees off, and I gave him a whistle, and he just snapped around, gave him the hand signal, and he went right over to it. Well, when he got back to the boat, he could. He was so tired he couldn't even get up the ramp. To- oh, I know it. Yeah, <laughs> that first that first day we hunted, opening day, uh, we shot three right off the bat, you know, and uh, we were in some thick stuff, and you know he couldn't see, um, so I had to get out there and direct him, you know, and yeah. Probably he go he doesn't take off and he steps on a sharp stick in the first one yelps and then he just keeps going you know and uh, gets the first one comes back and he and he's not even swimming at this point you know because teal love mud flats and all oh, that oh yeah and, shallow water <laughs> yeah he's he's in probably not even to his belly you know uh, going after his teal so he's trudging through the mud and he gets done gets all his three comes back and he lays down and he's like. <sighs> Oh, but those labs are troopers, man. I mean, they will run themselves to death if you let them. Oh, I tell you what, man. If I uh, if I didn't, uh, you know, if he didn't listen to me, if I didn't have him right. in a situation where he listened to me, he would he would do it until he killed himself. Oh. I'll tell you what. Oh yeah, just, yeah. They love it, love, man. That's what you're bred for. <laughs> I tell him, right, he's sitting right next to me right now. And I tell him, say, you want to go hunting? And his head just pops right up. And he's like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But, man, I'm telling you, you're making some great memories. And it's just such a shame, you know, that don't, we don't get one dog and they live a lifetime with the support. I yeah, it just breaks your heart. It's like losing a family member when you lose one of them, you know. And I've been through sure. s- several of them in my lifetime. In fact, this is first time probably in – Wow, I want to say 50 years or more that I haven't had a lab. You know, I sold the country place and moved into the edge of Cuba, Missouri, and we've got a uh, a whole acre here and got a big fenced-in area. But but Diane's got uh, three Yorkies, and she's yet to let me take them duck hunting. 
Oh, there's something. We have rabbits and squirrels in the backyard, and they have a big time chasing them around, you know. And uh, but one of them, I, I'm not, I'm not lying to you, man. One of these Yorkies, I can't remember which one it was, pointed a dove here a while back. I, I feed the doves out back, and it actually, I mean, looked like a classic German short hair, you know, right front foot up, and that little tail just rigid as it could be. I thought, well, there may be some possibilities there. <laughs> Every dog has it in them, you know. It's just a matter of how far they can go. That's exactly right. And, and, and of course, I, I know you love labs as much as me or, or more, but they are such intelligent dogs. And, you know, for like 30 years running, they were the most popular breed in the United States. Something has they are. As, are, are they still? I wasn't sure. I, I'm yeah. Sitting, yeah, but they're great family dogs. Great hunting dogs and just a great all-around breed, man. And they're just hard to beat. And the sweet thing is they come in a multitude of colors, you know. You've got your yellows, your black, and your brown. And i got to admit, chocolates were always my favorite, my Peggy dog from yeah, 30 I years ago. The, yeah. And I went with the black, and uh, I tell you what, his intelligence impresses me daily. Um, they are smart. They they are smart. They learn. They know words. They know smells. They know everything. You know, and uh, and you know, I duck hunted for years without a dog. And uh, when I got Hank, uh, man, it just it just amplified the experience. Oh, you I know, it, absolutely, man, it, and it makes you feel. A lot better about yourself, I think, too, as a duck hunter, because, you know, I hunted a few years without a dog, and you don't have that dog, you just lose a lot more birds, and you put that dog out there, man, he's going to he's gonna do his dead-level best to find that down bird. Oh, absolutely. So that makes it, uh, hey, that just shoots you into orbit, when, uh, it, and it just makes you so proud as a dog owner when that dog just does everything perfectly and brings that bird back to hand. Uh, you know, you're proud, he's proud, and everybody's happy. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> well, Ryan, we're going to take just a short break here. Folks, don't go away. Ryan Maloszewski is quite the chef, particularly when it comes to preparing ducks. You do not want to miss this. So hang on, and we'll be right back after a short break. Hi, I'm Steve Stoltz with Drury Outdoors, and you're listening to Living the Dream Outdoors Podcast with Phil Cooper and Hunter Heineman. Slow down and enjoy the simple things in life. Welcome to Huzal Valley Resort, providing family fun since 1979. They offer floating, and you can choose from canoes, rafts, kayaks, and inner tubes on a beautiful, crystal clear Huzal River. Lodging, let us be your home away from home. Choose from a variety of lodging units while still enjoying the great outdoors. With over two and a half miles of river camping on the crystal clear Huzal, we're sure you and your family will find the perfect spot to pitch your tent or park your RV. Have fun and let us help you get the most of your stay. Check out our guided trail rides and Karen's Cafe menu. There's something for everyone at Who's All. There's a campground store on site that has everything you need for your trip, whether you're in need of gear, grub, or something else. Chances are they've got it. And their campground has RV sites and primitive sites for all your camping needs. If you like the adventures of camping with a cozy bed at night, we have a variety of different lodging units to choose from. 
But who's all valley? There's always something going on out there. Check them out on Facebook, or if you want to make a reservation, simply call 1-800-367-4516. Hi, I'm Steve Stoltz, original cast member of Drury Outdoors and also a cast member of DeerCast. And we're talking about taking giant whitetails. And uh, it's, it's not an easy process, I'm not going to lie. But I'm just going to give you some tips, and this is one of them, that, that helps me prepare to take a good buck or two throughout the fall uh, and, and hopefully, you know, obviously get it on film for deer cast and jury outdoors. Um, w- one thing that I, I've got to mention here that I never go a summer uh, without doing, and that, and that is... Uh, plotting my area and that's another feature on deer cast that is just intangible and when you plot your what i mean by plotting your area you go to your maps you go to your uh your farm and start looking at key points that you might want to hang tree stands you may have points that you already have tree stands in and it'll show you where you kind of probably maybe need to fill the gap as far as getting more stands in um my favorite time of the year, believe it or not, to get tree stands in besides after season and, and leading up to, to spring is, in fact, in August. I, 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 and the reason why is I, I, uh, the ticks are usually really bad most of the early summer and midsummer. But by about August, the tick activity is really down to a minimum. And uh, I'm, I don't know about you, but I don't like ticks. Um, I spray my clothing down with permethrin. Um, so it's a clothing treatment. I make sure when I come in, I take my clothes off, put them in the washer, and then I jump in the shower to, as a final defense to make sure and check myself for ticks. So be aware of that, but get, get out there, get on, get on deer cast, plot your area, start getting your tree stands in, uh, like I said, starting early August, and just trim your shooting lanes, trim Make sure you can shoot out of those stands when you put them in. Uh, and always, I, I'm getting older, so <laughs> I got to have help usually to get a stand in. And I'm getting to where I, I like the, the muddy ladder stands. I love them. I love the, the, the muddy ladder 17-footers. Um, they're great, uh, and they're easy to put together and easy to put up. And they, if, you, if, you, if you use a lot of cover... When you hang your stand, a lot of background cover. That's the key. You don't have to always be as high as everybody thinks you need to be uh, to be effective. It's more important to have the background cover. So when you hang that, put that ladder stand or hang your stand, and you can walk away and look, and if you're kind of stuck out like like a diamond in a goat's butt, uh, <laughs> then, then the deer are going to see that, okay? They're going to see you up in that stand. If you can see it, they'll, they'll see it even more. They'll pick you out. So rehang that stand where you have cover behind you. Um, I like to pick a little bit bigger trees if I can. They don't have to be huge because you can get too big a tree where you can't get a stand in it. Um, but mainly decent-sized tree with background cover. You've got to have that to be successful with hanging these stands before the season. Number one key factor here, use deer cast to your advantage, use their features, plotting your area, and, and then mark your stands on that map. You can go right on there, mark your waypoint, 
you can change it to a gear stand and it'll be right there. You can put all your wind directions that work for that stand. It is a great tool to use. And this is the time to do it right here in the summer. Hi, folks. It's Aaron Jeffries with the Missouri Department of Conservation with a little habitat hint here. Uh, no surprise, uh, we are in the middle of a pretty severe drought across most of mid-Missouri. Uh, would encourage folks to take a look at diversifying their grazing systems. Uh, right now, the department, NRCS, and other partners do have cost share available for the establishment of native form season grasses for grazing and hay purposes. What a great program. What a wonderful way of diversifying your grazing system and actually having a drought tolerant productive grass in the months of June, July, and August. If you're looking for more information, would encourage you to go to the Missouri Department of Conservation's website at mdc.mo.gov. And in the upper right-hand corner is contacts. Go to your county and find your private land conservationist for your county uh, to set up a meeting to look at ways that you can improve your property, not only for wildlife, but also forage production for your cattle. Hey, everybody. This is Alex Rutledge with American Roots Outdoors. Check out my buddy's podcast show, Living the Dream Outdoors with Bill Cooper and Hunter Heineman. You're really going to enjoy this week's show. Welcome back to Living the Dream Outdoor podcast. I hope you heard that first segment with Brian Miloszewski. He's from over in Kansas City area, and I try not to hold that against him, and I probably would, but he's a great outdoorsman, great outdoor rider, great fisherman, catches those big brown trout down on Taney Como, kind of on a regular basis, and he's also a great waterfowl hunter, and I attribute his good qualities as a waterfowl hunter to his dog, Hank. <laughs> I think we can both agree on that one. <laughs> yeah, but have you taught him to cook yet? I know you're quite the chef. I, no, you know, he, he likes to sit there in the uh, in the kitchen while I cook and, and wait and just inspect and make sure I'm doing everything right, you know, and maybe get well, I I, yeah. I would venture that you maybe developed quite a following on social media last waterfowl season because you just constantly kept talking about cooking ducks and how to prepare them. You had nice photographs and sure. just made my mouth water. Well, let's start with with teal now since it's uh, you know teal season. It's it's about to run out or probably out by the time this program airs, but. Teal, in my opinion, are one of the best eating ducks out there. What do you say? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. You know, I, I don't discriminate as far as uh, puddle ducks are concerned. You know, I mean, teal, ringwing, blooming, mallards, pintail, widgeon, gabwall, generally, they're all very, very fine table fingers. Um, You know, you may get your one-offs that are eating fish or snails or, you know, whatever it may be, but generally those ducks are eating grain, uh, smartweed, uh, milo, no pun intended. Uh, you know, <laughs> they're, they're all, they're all eating something that is going to benefit 
the the palate of the hunter. And you know, I love teal. I love. I teal. do too. I, the best tasting uh, birds I've ever had, and uh, I've actually uh, Hank Shaw. Uh, I'm not sure if anybody is listening knows who Hank Shaw is, but you should. Uh, uh, Hunter Angler, Gardner Cook on uh, on Facebook, uh, on the website, on URL. It's Hunter Angler, Gardner Cook. Look him up. He he has been a big inspiration for me, um, as well as John Wallace, uh, Wild Game Cook is his. Uh, social media, uh, social media handle. Um, but you know, one thing I've done, uh, a couple times this year with doves and teal is made, uh, uh, peppered, peppered dove and peppered teal. And I'll mm. tell you what, you know, that is just one of the best things I've ever had. Basically a cacho, cacho pepe, uh, with, uh, with the wild game. And I tell you what, it's, been about the best you know everybody loves poppers everybody wants to wrap everything in bacon and yep. or marinate it or soak it in buttermilk or you know whatever it may be um and I, you're just doing a disservice to the taste of that bird by doing that but you know uh i think the best thing you can do with a teal right now that i'm really keen to is spash copy so if you're not familiar with spatchcocking, it's simply just removing the backbone from the bird uh-huh. and pushing the bird down and breaking the wishbone, essentially. So you, you get them flat and uh-huh. then marinate, marinate them in whatever you want, you know, a chipotle sauce, a chimichurri, whatever it may be, and grill them hot and fast. This, I'm talking about teal right now. Right. Grill them hot fast. Always start skin side down because you want to render that fat out and you're going to get some flare ups on your grill and just let it, let it go. And then, uh, you know, I'm talking to maybe a 10 minute cook time right. and you're doing a, this is after about a day of marinating, you know, put them skin side down or breast side down. If you don't do the skin and, uh, flip them over, let them cook. I tell you what, that's going to be some of the best teal you've ever eaten. That's going to be way better than any popper or whatever else you're going to cook. Boy, that sounds that sounds incredible. Now you prefer to leave the skin on, correct? I do. Yeah, you know if if they're fat enough, you know you if you have a, a teal or a bird in general that you you can see through the skin. Yeah. That's my general rule. You could see through the skin down to the meat. And generally, you know, there's no real, real use for the skin. Um, but if you can't, then yes, absolutely leave the skin on. And I, I generally, uh, will start plucking my birds and if they're fat enough, I'll pluck them whole, you know, mm-hmm. and that's just how I do mallards, uh, pintail, teal, whatever it may be. Well, uh, duck, duck fat know. is good stuff, correct? Oh yeah, I render my own duck fat. So, wow, I usually get from my duck season. I usually get about ten pints of duck fat from the the duck fat I save and render up, and, which is and, it's liquid gold. You go to the, if you go to the grocery store, you're paying twenty five dollars. Uh, wow, pint for duck fat. Um, you know, maybe it evens out. I haven't done the calculations yet on how much it you know gas and. Money, uh, <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, yeah. At the end of the day, it's 
it's better than bacon grease. Uh, I tell you what, I uh, I save all the fat, and the best fat you can get is around the gizzard of a mallard. The best fat you can get is around really? the gizzard. Well, that's all that off. Yeah, that's interesting yep. to know. You're you're full of great information, man. That some of the stuff I've never heard before. Now, the research I did on a uh, waterfowl piece I did a few years back, I discovered that duck and goose fat both the famous chefs around the world they use a lot of that stuff in their dishes. Okay. So, pretty incredible. It's and it's uh, I like I said, I render out generally at the end of the year, about February, end of February, I'll have. 15 pints of it and uh huh. i'll get out about five and then save the 10 for myself for the rest of the year yeah so. now did you store that in the refrigerator freeze it or what oh yeah oh yeah store it in the refrigerator it'll last for two years really mm-hmm. that that's oh, yeah. quite incredible so you cook other meats in that duck fat then oh yeah if you uh the best one of the best things you can do is sear a venison backstrap in duck fat Wow. Yeah, we all know that, uh, you know, you want to get all the fat off the deer you can because that doesn't, does not improve the flavor. But cook your deer meat and duck fat. That's going to be a new goal of mine this year. I got to kill some ducks first, though, you know. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, everybody does. But, uh, yeah, he, uh, it's, uh, it's something that, like I said, I've learned from other people, mainly Hank Shaw and, uh, John Wallace and a couple other folks, you know, that really, uh, opened my eyes to the the availability of everything that you harvest you know and uh you know you shoot a duck and everybody likes to just pluck it not even pluck it you know 90 percent of duck hunters aren't even plucking their birds no they're they're just brushing them out out. yeah and i save all my duck legs uh all my duck legs i save my duck legs and turn it into uh like a mississippi pot roast or save the fat Gosh, I mean, there's so many people that are missing out on the culinary, uh, I don't know, what's the right word? Uh, the culinary values or aspects of ducks. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And, and of course, you know why that is. Our lifestyles, I've slowed down a lot since retirement, but everybody's lifestyle is do everything in a hurry, you know. But you know yourself, a, a, a great meal sometimes takes a great deal of time and we can talk about game preparation till we fell over but you know in in the duck world there if you're wanting to get those best flavors you need to go through this very process that you're you're talking about and again uh milo i, th- I think uh, there's a huge pride element there as well I, I know you're a particular person you pay attention to detail you do that with your waterfowl hunting all of your hunting and fishing that's why you do so well at it and you know your dog work and so it it stands to reason that you would be the type of person that would go to this uh, great deal of trouble and work to make the best dish you possibly can out of the waterfowl that you kill. And Absolutely. yeah. And I, I think you, you keep talking about other cooks and everything, but I think you've inspired quite a few people, particularly last year with all the posts that you did. I know you really, really turned me on uh, to that. And I, I didn't get to try any of that stuff last year because I didn't get to duck hunt too much, but I'll definitely, uh, definitely intend to try some of it this year. And I might be calling you, you know, and bend your ear just a little bit more. Oh, no. yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you know, and I've had a couple of people this year that, uh, based on my post, you know, that you're talking about that, uh, man, I've never had, or it's never like, I've never had duck. It's always, man, every duck I've ever had, you know, it's, 
tasted like crap, you know? Yep, you hear that a lot. And and what's the number one reason? It's greasy, it's well done, it tastes like shoe leather, or, you know, the proverbial, you know, cook it on a cedar plank and then, you know, (laughs) throw the duck away and eat the cedar plank. Yeah, I've heard that that uh, before. I'll tell you what, it's, uh, it's a shame because duck is such a great, great, delicious game animal. I mean, it's it's underutilized. And, uh, you know, I know duck hunters, you know, that are not as serious as I am, that, you know, they give away all their ducks. They shoot them and they give them away. It's like, man, yep. I'll take them, you know. And, uh, Absolutely. You know, but I, I've given away uh, quite a bit of duck this past year just for people like, hey, here's how you need to cook it. Here, here, you know, here's four mallard breasts, four fat mallards. Here's how you need to cook it. Do it this way. And yeah. Uh, yeah. Every, time, every time we're like, oh, my gosh, this is so good, you know. And <laughs> of course it is. Yeah, because it's prepared right. But it isn't, correct me if I'm wrong, but isn't the biggest mistake that people make when cooking ducks is they overcook it? Absolutely, absolutely. Well, the biggest mistake in wild game, and uh, this is the Steve Ranella quote, is you either cook it too long or you don't cook it enough. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> that's the absolute, uh, with duck, it's 100% you cook it too long. Um, everybody thinks it's a bird. You know, you got to cook it until it's well done. And, you know, you might as well eat your shoe at that point. Um, yeah, exactly right. But, I've, I've had shoes that taste better than duck that's uh, way exactly, overcooked. <laughs> exactly. Um, <laughs> But no, you have to you have to cook it like a steak, like a good ribeye or good New York strip. Cook it like that, and once you learn that it has to be medium rare, your life will be changed. And the biggest tip I can give people is if you have a big fat mallard or a big fat skin on pintail teal whatever, is you start your pan cold. Put those breasts in there cold cold no fire no gas no nothing start it cold and then you, you then you crank it up to medium high and let that fat render out uh-huh. you let that render out and then you give it about i don't know 75 percent of the time usually about four minutes on that side get that skin crispy then you flip it over give it about two and a half three minutes take it off and rest it for about 10 i'll tell you what it's uh <laughs> it'll I've, I've changed a lot of people's opinions on duck. Oh, I'm sure you uh, have. Yeah. And, you know, regardless. And uh, I'll tell you what, that is, uh, you know, that is the best tip I can give you. Don't overcook it. And, you know, I've done a lot of uh, recipes with duck. You know, I've made souvlaki with it, which is a great dish, you know. And um, I do a lot with the duck legs and the wings. And, you know, it. I use everything, you know. And, uh <laughs> And because it tastes good, it's not, not, I'm not doing it because I'm, you know, I'm poor and I need all this food. You right. know? No, it just, it tastes good, you know? And that's, that's my main goal, you know, with what I'm doing is, you know, you guys are, I say you guys, but uh, generally folks are uh, very put off by duck when they first try it, right? Right. You're exactly right. But I think you know you you've hit all the you hit the nail on the head talking about it being a fabulous take, tasting animal, waterfowl. But you have to 
you got to handle it correctly. you got to cook it correctly. And I've been fascinated by following you by the different recipes that you've, you've uh, come up with. Because I've, you know, I've been eating duck for 60 years, I, I guess. But 90% of it I've cooked the same way over the years, you know. And I, I love to take a, a, a teal and uh, stuff the cavity with a good stuffing, you know, and even bake well, those things. Uh, oh, that is so good. And, but yeah, but again, you got to be careful about overcooking them. And another key thing about not overcooking is, you know, that medium rare meat. Oh, it's just so beautiful when it's crispy on the outside and it's, it's medium rare on the inside, but you've got some juices left with it. You know, it's not dry as last year's boot. And, and that makes all the difference in the world, just how it sits in your mouth and, you know, how you appreciate that, uh, that, that duck man but hey uh you've enlightened me and i'm sure you have a lot of other people as well and uh, milo man it's been great to have you on the show and talk to you again and i know that you've probably got lots of duck hunting trips lined up and i wish you and hank all the luck in the world and hey keep us posted on how hank's doing too i get a big kick out of out of seeing him you need to shoot some little videos you know so we can see him retrieving (laughs) (laughs) i appreciate it yeah tell everybody we're bragging on him no, I will. He'll, uh, he'll bigger head than he has already. All righty. Well, folks, from uh, Ryan Maloszewski and myself, we're enjoying our outdoor dreams. We encourage you to get outdoors, too, and enjoy your outdoor dreams. I'm Bill Cooper. Captain Brian Wilson runs one of the tightest boat fishing operations in the business. Stainwater Boat Fishing operates out of Jerome, Missouri and the beautiful Missouri Ozarks. They cover most Ozark streams and lakes. You haven't lived until you've searched Ozark waters during the night with Stainwater Boat Fishing while looking for giant gar, carp, and buffalo. Captain Wilson also runs a second boat on Tanicomo Lake. Call today to book a trip with Stainwater Boat Fishing at 573 573- Two six three eight zero one six. Again, that's five seven three two six three eight zero one six. Be sure and shoot straight. The Live in the Dream Outdoors podcast is brought to you by Live in the Dream Outdoor Properties, The Fly Rod Journals, SmokerBuilder.com, Cowtown USA, Westover Farms, Scenic Rivers Taxidermy. Stained Water Bow Fishing, Scenic Rivers Guide Service and Tours, Huzzah Valley Resort, Pico Lures, Devil's Backbone Outfitters, The Fallen Outdoors, Ledco Sinkers and Lure Company, Turnbow Outdoors, J&J Charters, Kaufman Cove, Alaska, Big Ed's Guide Service, Bean Creek Game Calls, Misty Mountain Guide Service, ASO Guides and Outfitters with Ryan Walker, On The Hook TV, and Rich's Famous Burgers. Land ownership is the American dream. Land is the basis of all life. Our wise use of this most precious of resources ensures the survival and growth of free institutions and our American way of life. At Living the Dream Outdoor Properties, we value the traditions and freedoms that land provides us. Every day we seek the solace of a mountain sunrise over traffic jams and smog, the calming silence of a bubbling stream over the sirens of the city, and the quiet of the countryside over the hustle and bustle of the world. 
hunt, we fish, we farm. We live off the land. It's our mission to help our clients live out their dreams on the land as we do. At Living the Dream Outdoor Properties, we believe that it's not just land, it's a lifestyle. Join us five days a week on Living the Dream Outdoor Podcast as the Living the Dream Outdoor Dream Team explores the most desired outdoor properties in the Midwest and whisks you away to incredible hunting, fishing, and outdoor recreation opportunities. Host Bill Cooper, an inductee of the National Freshwater Fishing Hall of Fame, will be joined by members of the Living the Dream Outdoors team each week as they tell tall tales, unveil tips and tactics, and rub elbows with some of the biggest names in the outdoor world. You'll also find the Living the Dream Outdoors podcast on your favorite social media platforms, including Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, and TikTok.